The following is a presentation of Broadway Church in Vancouver, British Columbia. For additional media, visit broadwaychurch.com. Well, it's always a confidence booster seeing yourself in a Grinch costume right before you get up to preach in front of hundreds of people. Uh, For those of you guys who don't know me, my name is Nathan. I'm the youth pastor here. Uh, I get an honor to be able to share with you guys today. I don't normally get to share on a Sunday, and I realize that many people here might not know much about me, so I thought I'd share a little bit about myself before we get going. I'm 22 years old, uh, and like I said, I'm the youth pastor here. I've been at Broadway for just over three years now, and I absolutely love what I get to do here. I love working with teenagers, and I graduated from Bible college. I went to Pacific Life Bible College in Surrey. I graduated from there about a year and a half ago, and I noticed something really interesting at college. Maybe if you've been to college, you can relate to this, but I noticed that there's always two groups of students, right? There's the dorm students who live on campus. They live 10 feet away from their classrooms, and then there's the commuter students, and they commute in from wherever they live, and I always noticed something really interesting happen. In our morning classes, you know, you have an 8 a.m. class. You get there, And all the commuter students, they were there on time. They were there, ready to go. They dressed nicely. They, you know, they they brushed their teeth. They got their coffee. They have their notes out. They're ready to learn. They're ready to go. And about 15 minutes after class started, then the dorm students would roll in. And they're in their pajamas, and they got, like, really bad morning breath, and they got, like, a bed head going on, and they just look like a mess. And they come in 15 minutes late, and you think, come on, man. You live 10 minutes away, or 10 steps away from the classroom. You couldn't get up a couple minutes before, for, before class started to get here on time. Now, if you're wondering, Nathan, were you a dorm student or a commuter student? I can most certainly assure you, I was a dorm student. I was one of those guys coming in 15 minutes late in my pajamas, just looking like a mess. There's something about living so close to the class that always makes you think, I got time, I got time, I can make it. Uh, to be honest, I'm not, some people are natural students, not me. You know, I had to really push myself in college. But every once in a while, there would be a class that would come, uh, come around where I would become a commuter student. I would, I would be so interested in the topic or the teacher uh, would just be so good that I would want to get there on time. I would want to get there early. I became a commuter student. I made sure to shower. I made sure to have my notes out ready to go. And one of the classes that I absolutely loved in Bible college was this class called Adolescent Development. And Adolescent Development was all about what is going on in a teenager's life around the time before they become an adult. So what's going on with their identity, what's going on in their brain, what's going on in their relationships. And and my professor, uh, he he shared that uh, one of the lectures, there's four main parenting styles, and he shared that there's different effects of these parenting styles. And as he was sharing, I started to realize hold on, this doesn't just apply to parents raising their kids, but this actually can apply to my relationship with God. And so what I want to do today is I want to share with you uh, these four main parenting styles. And what we're going to see is that God actually has a main parenting style that he has when it comes to how he interacts with us. And so as we're going through these different styles, I want you, if you're a parent, to kind of pick out, see, oh yeah, I'm totally that parent, all right? This is how I'm totally raising my kids. Uh, But I want to make something very clear. This is not a parenting seminar. I am not a parent. I'm not even married. Hint, hint. Uh, But I have seen this played out 
every week when I interact with students. I interact with hundreds of students, and they all come from different families, different parents. They, uh, they have different parenting styles, and I've seen the effects that different parenting styles have on their teenagers. And so here's what you need to know. Starting out, you need to know this. Every child is asking two questions. Every child is asking two questions. The first one, as your outline says, is, am I loved? Am I loved? Very simple. Every child is asking, am I loved? And the second question that every child asks is, can I get my own way? Can I get my own way? And depending on how a child answers these questions determines how they view their parents' parenting style. Now, it's very important for us to understand that it's not about how the parent answers these questions. It's about how the child answers these questions. I, I would say most of us would say uh, most parents wouldn't answer, no, I don't love my child. But there are many children who might say, I don't know if my mom or dad loves me because of the way they interact with me. And what we're going to see is that God does have a specific parenting style when it comes to us. But oftentimes we can get a skewed perspective of who God is in our life. And that's why I've entitled this message, Daddy Issues, How You View God the Father. Because a lot of us, we might have daddy issues when it comes to our real parents, but for many of us, we have daddy issues when it comes to God the Father. Maybe you've never even heard God describe himself as a father. All throughout the Bible, God continually describes himself as a father to us. And you might think, I don't like God. I don't want him to be my father. Why, why does it have to be like this? Maybe you have daddy issues when it comes to God the Father. But we're going to see what we can learn from these different parenting styles. So the first one that we're going to look at is when a child answers, yes, I am loved. And yes, I can get my own way. This is called the rapport at any cost type of parent. They just want to be best friends with their kids. As your outline said, this is called permissive parenting. Permissive parenting. You know, we all know parents like this. Maybe you are this type of parent. They just want to be best friends with their kids. They, they just want their, their kids to succeed and be happy above all else. You know, nobody can hurt my snuggle wumpkins. You know, I, I, I'm going to put out two layers of bubble wrap on you before you go out for the day. You know, they don't want their child to get hurt. They don't want them to face consequences. If their kid gets a bad grade in school, the parent's mad at the teacher for lowering their kid's self-esteem by giving them such a bad grade. They're not mad at the kid. They don't let their kids face consequences. The results of this type of parenting style, as your outline says, are confusion and fear. Confusion and fear. Confusion because one day that kid's going to enter the real world. And they're going to go apply for a job. And they might not get it. And suddenly they start to ask themselves, why am I not getting everything that I used to get? How come people aren't just handing me things in life? Or quite honestly, fear. Fear of stepping out. Fear uh, of failure. Fear of being rejected. So they don't put themselves in those types of situations. The results of these types of parenting styles confusion and fear. You see, there's no doubt in the child's mind that their parent loves them. But there's no accountability there's this sense of, I can do whatever I want. Is this how you were raised? Is this how you parent your kids? More importantly, is this how you view God? Maybe you're hearing you view God as that permissive parent. Maybe you think, God just wants me to be happy, right? God will forgive me. Don't be so legalistic, you know. Yeah, you'll live with your girlfriend, sleep around, do whatever you want. God is going to forgive you. You don't have to follow those rules. God just wants you to be happy, Right? God's just about love. I just feel the love. Maybe you view God as the permissive parent. The second one we're going to look at is when a child answers, no, I am not loved, but yes, I can get my own way. This is what we call the lifeboat family, meaning they're just barely staying afloat as a family. Or as your outline said, neglectful parenting. Neglectful parenting. 
Now, in this scenario, the reason that the child feels like they can get their own way is not because their parents love them and give them everything they want. It's mostly because their parents just aren't really around. Maybe their parents are uninvolved or disinterested in them. Maybe they're absent emotionally, maybe even absent physically. Regardless, there's this feeling of uh, no one cares about me, so I can do whatever I want to do. These kids, they typically, they'll, they'll act out in order to get attention. They'll, they'll see how far they can go, see how, 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 how far they can push the limit before somebody will notice them. The results of this type of parenting style, as your outline says, is anger and distance. There's this sense of, no one cares, so why try? No one cares, so I'll just do whatever I want to do. Is that how you were raised? Is this how you parent your kids? More importantly, is this how you view God? Maybe you're here and you view God as a neglectful parent, right? Maybe you think God is distant, that he's uninvolved. Maybe he doesn't care about you, or maybe he just doesn't exist at all. So why would I try to live my life for a God that doesn't care about me? Why would I try to live my life for a God that's not real? Or maybe, quite honestly, you feel like God hates you. So you have this sense of, I'm just going to live my life the way I want to live it. The third style we're going to look at is when a child answers, no, I am not loved, and no, I cannot get my own way. We call this the dictator parent. Or as your outline says, the controlling parent. Maybe you had this parent growing up. This is the parent that controls every aspect of their child's life. There's, ex- there's an expectation put on everything. Everything from the school they go to, to the college they apply for, to the career path that they choose. Every aspect of their life is already pre-chosen and there's an expectation placed on them. Everything from their friend group to their behavior to their appearance, it's all controlled. They set impossibly high expectations on their kids with extreme consequences if they don't live up to that. And so these kids, they grow up with this sense of like they need to earn their parents' love. I need to do the right things. I need to, I need to make sure to listen to my parents and, and, I, and I need to do well so that my parents will love me. They say stuff like, if I mess up, my parents are going to kill me. If I don't get a good grade on this test, uh, they're going to kill me. There's this sense that they need to earn their parents' love. The results of this type of parenting style, quite honestly, is guilt and shame, as your outline says. Guilt and shame. Guilt for not being able to live up to the parents' expectations. Shame for feeling like they're not a good enough person. Or they they do live up to their parents' expectations, but they become people pleasers. I just got to be what everyone wants me to be. I got to be like this with this group of people and like this with another group of people so that people will accept me and people will love me. It's guilt and shame. Is this how you were raised? Is this how you parent your kids? More importantly, is this how you view God? Do you feel like you need to earn God's love? Do you feel like God just got a lightning bolt in his hand waiting to to throw one down at you the second that you mess up? Do you feel like your relationship with God has been reduced to a set of rules and a checklist? If I do the right things, then God will love me. But if I don't, then I'm going to hell. I hope you're starting to see that each of these types of parenting styles, when it comes to our relationship with God, are all flawed in some way. I hope you're starting to see that each of these perspectives of God are all skewed and they're all uh, flawed in some sort of way. Let's go back through them. Maybe you view God as the permissive parent. Maybe you view God as, God just loves me. He just wants me to be happy. I can do whatever I want because God's going to forgive me, right? 
Did you know that this view is actually unbiblical? Yes, there is love. Yes, there is grace. Yes, there is forgiveness, but God also has a standard for your life. He has a way that he wants you to live your life, and it's outlined in the Bible. The Bible is not just here for us to read as a textbook. It's here as as an instruction manual for us to live our life by. Let me put it this way. Um, I find myself in Ikea way too much. I don't know who else is with me. I love Ikea. I just go there all the time. I have a problem. You guys can pray for me after the service, but I, I just go to Ikea constantly. There's something about Ikea, man. You go through the showrooms, and you look at all the nice little rooms, and you think, man, this could be my house one day. This is incredible. And then you buy like a dresser or something, and they, they, they fit it into this little box, right? I don't know how they do it. And then you go home, and you try to put it together. You try to assemble it, and I don't want to brag, but I kind of do. I'm really, really good at assembling Ikea furniture. Like, really good at assembling Ikea furniture. I love it. I don't know. Everyone complains about it. I don't see the big deal. I, I, I put that thing together, and I feel like such a man, right? I feel like I could go chop down a tree in the forest and build it from scratch. I feel awesome. Here's the thing, though. If it wasn't for that little instruction manual that they put in the box with it, you know, with the little pictures of how to put it together, I would be so lost. I wouldn't even know where to start. It would just be a bunch of planks and screws to me. If it wasn't for that little instruction manual, I wouldn't even know where to begin. And as silly as it would be to try to assemble IKEA furniture without our instruction manual, how much more silly is it that oftentimes we try to go through life without looking at our instruction manual? The thing that God has given us to say, this is how I expect you to live your life by. This is the standard. But we think, oh, I'll figure it out. God will forgive me. Right? We go through life blindly, but God doesn't want us to do that. That's why he gave us the Bible. He said, this is how I want you to live your life. There's a standard. So we see that God is not a permissive father. Listen to what First uh, John chapter 2 says. It says, whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in him. This is how we know we're in in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. As your says, God is not a permissive father. So we see that God's not a permissive father, but he's also not a neglectful father either. Maybe you view God as a neglectful father. Maybe you view him as being distant. He's uninvolved. He doesn't care about me. Or he's just not even real. Or worse yet, maybe he even hates me. But that's not biblical either. As your outline says, God is not a neglectful father. God's not a neglectful father. James chapter 4 says, come near to God and he will come near to you. You see, God is not far off. He's not distant. He's not pushing you away. In fact, he pulls us close to him. He draws us near him. And in fact, if you're a Christ follower here, then you actually have God dwelling within you by his Holy Spirit. And by the way, if you're not a Christ follower here, just sit tight because I'm going to give you an opportunity to make that decision to follow Jesus before our time is up. But see, God is not a distant father. He doesn't push us away. He draws us close to him. And more importantly, God doesn't hate you either. Listen to what one of the most famous verses in the Bible, John 3, 16 to 17 says. It says, For God so loved the world, he loved you, he loved me, that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. You see, God doesn't push us away. He draws us close. And if we're distant to God, 
Oftentimes it has more to do with us than it has to do with him. God is not a neglectful father. So God's not a permissive father. He's not a neglectful father, but also God is not a controlling father either. Maybe you view him as a drill sergeant, giving you rules that you have to follow, and if you don't follow them good enough, then you're going to go to hell. That's how I viewed God for so much in my life. Let me put it this way. Uh, I love Star Wars. Anybody else love Star Wars here? Yeah, for those of you guys, the three people, the three other nerds in the room with me, uh, for the people who don't know Star Wars, let me catch you up. Uh, Star Wars is all about the good versus the bad, right? Light versus dark. You know, you got the good guys and they got the blue lightsabers and they're they're the Jedi, they're the good people. And then you got the bad guys with the red lightsabers and they're the Sith, they're the bad guys. And I love Star Wars growing up. And, And so I would play these video games about Star Wars and one of my favorite ones was awesome because you got to actually choose how you wanted to play. You got to choose if you wanted to be a good guy or if you wanted to be a bad guy. And the way you chose was by making decisions in the game. If you did more good deeds, then you were a good person. If you did more bad deeds, then you were a bad person. So for example, somebody would come up to you and ask you for help, ask you for money. So if you helped them and gave them money, you would gain some light side points and you would go up on this spectrum. But if you did what I usually did and stole his money and pushed him away, then you would become a bad person and you would go lower on the level. And, and, and you would go, you look at your character menu and you'd see, okay, I'm a good person. But if you started to do bad ge- deeds, you'd go down and you'd become a worse person. And if I'm honest, that's how I viewed my relationship with God for most of my life. Maybe you're here and you view God the same way. Like, I just got to do a good, enough good things, and then God's going to love me. If I just am a good enough person, then I'm going to gain his love and affection, and I get to go to heaven. But if I start doing bad things, then he hates me. But as long as I outweigh the bad with the good, then I'll get into heaven. Then I'll be a good person. This view of God is actually unbiblical as well. As your outline says, God is not a controlling father. God is not a controlling father. You see, the Bible tells us that we don't have to earn God's love. Ephesians chapter 2 says, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. You see, God doesn't expect us to be perfect. He does expect us to grow But that means you don't have to be worried that he's going to punish you every single time you mess up. Because it's not based on what you do. You couldn't earn God's love even if you wanted to. It's not based on how good or bad of a person you are. See, each of these parenting styles are inadequate in describing God. But there's still one style that we haven't looked at yet, and I want to look at it right now. This is when a child answers, yes, I am loved, but no, I can't get my own way. Yes, I am loved. But no, I can't get my own way. This is what we call the healthy family, or as your outline says, godly parenting. Godly parenting. You see, this is a parenting style that expresses love often. It reaffirms the child's worth apart from results. These parents, they're they're involved, but they're not controlling. They set rules and boundaries with clear expectations. And the children who are raised under this type of style, they, they, they are raised to be highly confident adults who are able to make decisions and live with the consequences of those decisions. Because they weren't being suffocated with rules, but they weren't being left to fend for themselves either. They were shown love and support with clear expectations, but love was not conditional upon them meeting those expectations. 
When we look at the Bible, this is the type of father that God reveals himself as. And the results of this type of parenting style, as your outline says, is love and intimacy. Love and intimacy. Again, when we look at the Bible, this is who we see. This is the father that God reveals himself as. In one of the most famous passages in the Bible, the prodigal son found in Luke chapter 15, Jesus is speaking to a group of people and he's trying to explain to them how the father views them, how God views them. And so he tells the story to explain it. And I won't read the whole thing. I'll just share what goes on in the story. But he explains how there's a father who has two sons. And one of his sons goes to the father and says, I want my inheritance early before you die. And essentially what he's saying is, God, or dad, I don't care about you. I just want what's coming to me and I'd rather you be dead so I could get it. And surprisingly, the father gives him the money and sends him on his way. And the son goes out and he spends all the money. And then a famine comes to the land and we find the son at a moment in life at his lowest time. Alone, hungry, feeling worthless. And he looks around and he thinks, the, the servants in my father's house are living better than I am. Maybe I can go back to my dad and beg to become a servant. And maybe I can work my way back up. And so that's what he does. He goes to his dad. And before he could even get to the house, the dad saw him and came running to him, embraced him. And before the son could even ask, the father said, no, you're my son again. Here's a ring. Here's a robe. You are restored to your previous position. You see, it's a beautiful story showing God's love for his children. But I want you to notice something. That the father in the story, he was not the permissive father. He wasn't the permissive father. He wasn't chasing after the son with bubble wrap. He wasn't sending the son more and more money. Right? He, he, he didn't go out looking for the son. He let him live with that consequence. But he also wasn't the neglectful father either. If he was a neglectful father, he would have just sent the son on his way and not welcomed him back. He would have thought, yeah, well, good riddance. Goodbye. You're done. You're not coming back. No, he welcomed him back. But God was also not the, or the, the father was not the controlling father either. See, he, if he was the controlling father, the son, he would have to become a servant again. He would have to rework his way back up to his position. The son would have been seen as a disgrace. He would have been seen as worthless. See, the father wasn't any of those types of parents. The father was a godly parent. The father wasn't holding the son's hand the entire time. He let him live with the consequences. But the father, he wasn't cold or distant either. He was waiting on the porch, waiting for his son to go, come home. He embraced him loved him, forgave him. This is the type of God that we serve. This is the type of father that we have. As your outline says, God is our perfect father. God is our perfect father. And this leads us to our big idea of today. If you're taking notes, write this down. Our big idea is this. The way you view God determines how you respond to God. The way you view God determines how you respond to him. How do you view God? Because whatever way you view him, that's how you're going to live your life. If you view God as a permissive parent, saying, uh, he's just going to forgive me, I'll just live however I want. You're going to go through life thinking you can get away with everything, that God's just going to forgive you. It's all about the love. But if you view God as a neglectful parent, you will go through life completely apathetic towards him. Who cares about living for God? Who can, why would I try to live to please a God that I don't believe in or that I feel like hates me? 
If you view God as the controlling parent, let me tell you from experience, you will get crushed under the weight of expectation. You will get crushed trying to do more and more good things. But if you view God as the perfect father that he is, then you can rest easy in the loving embrace of his arms. It's up to you how you view God. For a long time, my perspective of God was skewed and it determined how I responded to him because the way you view God determines how you respond to him. And whether you know it or not, you have a view of God. And if you have a skewed perspective of him today, why not choose to drop that and allow God to be the perfect father that he is to you?